You're listening to the Run For Your Lives podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Daphne. And I'm Paik. And this is the Run for Your Lives podcast. This episode, we're talking about the mockumentary black comedy slasher film. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, directed by Scott Glosserman, premiered at South by Southwest, March 12th, 2006. And one of yes. my absolute favorite movies and loves like... It is. It's a low budget, like indie horror movie, but there is so much put into this thing that we'll talk about. That's just, yes, we have a lot I to talk it. about. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Daphne enjoys it. Uh, we'll see. We haven't <laughs> talked too much about our own personal feelings. We, no. we try to keep everything to the recording, so I know this one yeah. can be a little. It's it is low budget. It's an indie film, but it's one of my absolute favorites. I just think there's so much heart and like. Uh, I just think oh, there's they, definitely heart, Pake. Oh yeah, there's a heart. Um, heart no. and a hand. But yeah, just the whole thing is a love letter <laughs> to to classic slasher horror, and it's great. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I have to agree. There were a lot of connections to some of the biggest movies in the horror world, and mm. I appreciated that. That's one thing that I appreciated about this film is I did feel like it was a love letter. To everyone who came before. And even some movies that I wouldn't have considered to be such big deals. Uh huh. There were connections to that too. There were a lot of connections. Yeah. To other films. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about this one. All right. Me too. So and that's all it. I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon was filmed in and around Portland, Oregon, including Troutdale, Banks, St. Helens, Estacada, and Salvi Island, as well as Camp Androscoggin in Wayne, Maine. Imagine my surprise. <laughs> Part of it was filmed here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is the directorial debut for Scott Glosserman. The story was written by David J. Steve and then adapted by Steve and Glosserman into the screenplay for this film. It had a very limited budget and there were restrictions on location. So parts of the script were rewritten during filming to accommodate some of these last minute changes. They were still looking for locations for some of the scenes, even after filming had already started. One of the taglines for this film was Jason, Freddie, Myers, we all need someone to look up to. <laughs> I actually saw one of the posters. The budget was estimated at about $800,000, and it did just $69,136 at the box office. It's 92 minutes long. And Paik, bring on the synopsis. All right. So the next great psycho horror slasher has given a documentary crew exclusive access to his life 
as he plans as he plans his reign of terror over the sleepy town of Glen Echo. Yep. <laughs> yes. Reign of terror. He's there's so much for me to say about this film. There's so much I'm up until when we recorded, I wasn't sure where to even start <laughs> with all of the things I have to say about this film. Mm-hmm. But I know it's one of your favorites, so I'll try to be kind. <laughs> yes, because I've totally done the same for you always. <laughs> never. You have never been kind. You have ripped movies to shreds. Gently. So Gentle shredding. Gently? Um. Gently. Gentle shredding? Yeah, uh-huh. Sure. I don't know. Tony, did he gently shred 30 Days of Night? I don't think it was gentle shredding. But we'll see. Hey, I think me and Tony have <laughs> patched things up now after Dawn of the Dead. You right? have. I think so. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> But all right, man. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that you you are uh, fond of this movie and and don't rip it apart because then the podcast will have to be over forever because I can't deal with it. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But Peg, we have so many more movies on the list. I know. I know. You don't want to end it so quick, right? No, I'll. There's so many. I'll take it in stride. I'll cry myself to sleep tonight, but then I'll take it in stride here, so it'll be fine. No, I'm kidding. Uh. All right. <laughs> I feel like maybe we should just get into this. Yeah, let's and go. start where we always start. Yeah, we start with characters. Which, funny enough, I guess the main character—I mean, his name is in the title of the movie—would be Leslie Vernon. But also, Taylor is very much the main character of this movie as well. And so it's kind of hard to decide. Like, okay, do we cover one then the other? Which my notes are set up. You know, I have them separated, but. Honestly, I don't know if we can really do it that way too well. Uh, We may have to just combine kind of our notes back and forth on those two, because even in the story of this movie, they are connected. There's a reason. Oh, they definitely are. They Mm -hmm. definitely are. And I feel like for this movie, we we should really just connect them into one character arc. From beginning to end. So let's do it with them mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Because no other... Ca- I mean, there are other characters in the film, but these are the two main characters, and they're the ones that we're going to talk about the most. Yeah. There is one or two other... There are one or two others that I think we should talk about, but as far as the story itself and the character arcs, these two are intertwined. Oh, yeah. So we have <laughs> to do it. <laughs> of course. And yeah, it starts off, well, we get the very opening is, of course, Kelly going through <laughs> the setup, the preparation, the the drive-by kind of thing that uh, was a flyby, I think is what he called it. Um, and <laughs> we see it from her perspective, kind of cinematic, and then we'll see it from another angle later. But, you know, after that, we kind of set up, it is a mockumentary, like, you know, we said a little bit earlier. It's kind of a satire of things, but also an homage because they do point out like tropes that are in a lot of slasher movies that, and they yes. kind of make fun of some of them, but they also kind of give reasons or, you know, you know, pay respect to some of them too. So it's great. It's a slasher film that pays homage to slasher films, 
you know? <laughs> yeah. In a different way than mm-hmm. others that I've seen yeah. that have tried. But some of them very much just by name. That's the opening is we get Taylor's opening monologue for the, the documentary where she mentions Jason Voorhees and Crystal Lake, Elm Street and Freddy Krueger. She's asking an Elm Street resident about Freddy Krueger who is played by Kane Hodder, who played Jason. So there's an interesting switch. Like, like there's yes, where the yes. crossover universe is already beginning in weird ways. <laughs> we have Jason's actor being questioned about Freddy in a movie that also name drops Michael Myers. So it's... <laughs> yeah. Um, that house, I looked into it, and then they even went so far as that number on the house on Elm Street that looks really a lot like the house that was on Elm Street that Nancy lived in. Uh-huh. They even went so far as to put the very same exact, like, number. I think it's 1426 or 1428. Yeah. They went that far. Yeah. To connect us to that. I have to admit, that was neat. Mm -hmm. I liked that. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. Just like the people that they got involved in this movie shows that... You know, the the films and things that they're paying homage to and really giving respect to are being respected because they felt respected. I mean, they said you give this, you know, Friday the 13th nod and Kane Hodder's there. Mm-hmm. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street is name dropped. Freddy Krueger is name dropped. Robert England is in the movie. Like. <laughs> yes, he is. There are so many things that I have in production notes about this movie and all the connections. It's pretty incredible, all the little things that they included in to help it be the love letter that it is. Yeah. So, yep. So, this one takes us to Glen Echo, Maryland, of course, for the rise of the legend of Leslie Vernon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, out of the names that strike fear in your heart, Jason, Freddie, Michael Myers, Leslie. Myers. You know, uh... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) maybe because we don't have any, like, context. I mean, the name Jason doesn't instill me with fear any for any other reason other than Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Jason Cabassi is a pretty terrifying guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh uh-oh. He is the pod father. Wow. That is true. That is true. (laughs) Right. Uh, Freddie, Michael Meyer, like those names don't instill fear in me for any other reason but the movies. Yeah. So maybe Leslie just hasn't had enough movies made. There's, I'll go ahead and jump to this. It's like one of my final like notes that I took, of course, at the end. But there is a sequel that's been in development for a really, 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 really long time uh, with still nothing concrete. <laughs> but I'm still hoping and waiting with all of my heart, hopes, and dreams that it's going to happen. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I knew about that they had been working on a prequel or a sequel or something. Mm-hmm. And then Glosserman actually said in 2017 that he felt like the script had become dated due to all the changes in horror. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see if he wants to do this. I mean... Glossman's only directed three films, so. Yeah. Has he been spending all this time working on a script or working on developing the rise of Leslie Vernon 2? <laughs> I don't know. 
Because I think what was before the mask was was they're looking at. So yeah, they are looking at like a prequel kind of thing. Maybe a yeah, and who knows where they could go? Maybe a young Eugene. I don't know who would play oh my that character and stuff, but I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot of things you could do with this world. So I'll I'll hold on and, and hope, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> when we get to Eugene, we will. I'll mention it now because we have to. He was played by the amazing Scott Wilson, who mm-hmm. we all know from The Walking Dead. He played Herschel. Yep, the late. He was great, great in this. Scott so Wilson. Good. I. I was really sad when he when he passed away. Uh, and so actually, this movie was what I watched in honor of him that week when he passed with a big old plate of spaghetti. I did. I had I had, spaghetti, <laughs> I had spaghetti Tuesday on a Wednesday and watched behind the mask in honor of Scott Wilson. And if you get that reference, you're awesome. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I get that reference. Yeah. I know. <laughs> So yeah, so it's it's great. So I do I rewatch this movie sometimes just to get a little fix of Scott Wilson because I miss him. <laughs> I know. That was sad. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little more about Leslie and Taylor. All right. Well, Leslie played by Nathan Basil. Um Yes. He does an incredible job as Leslie. Yeah. Yeah, and this is his first film. He's never really been in a lot. No, he hasn't done much work. Yeah, he doesn't really hasn't really done much work aside from like some indie shorts and like some like one off like you know bit parts for like CSI or whatever. Probably was playing dead bodies. Yeah. Um, and I don't know yeah. why, but I I like him a lot here because he gives a lot to the character of Leslie. He can be menacing and terrifying when he needs to be, but then also really charming and goofy. And he has this awkwardly funny sense of humor and sensibility about him. That's just oh, draws so you strange. in. <laughs> <laughs> it does something. I don't know. It's a li- it's quite <laughs> creepy. I think <laughs> it is. Oh yeah. my gosh. And he takes his commitment to the legend of himself, uh, pretty seriously. <laughs> you know, he keeps to himself. He, <laughs> Let's that old house, which maybe that's not even his house and anything. And maybe his line about, oh, you know, if I came forward, I could claim it. But maybe none of that's true. Maybe all of this he just kind of fell into with a similar name. And we still don't know exactly what is true and what is false about. There is so him. much in this. You know, the backstory could be is fake in a lot of ways, but but the craft is real. And so he commits to it. You know, like a comedian sticking to a bit or a wrestler committing to kayfabe, you know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) right down to what the preparation H face mask that he put on because it made him pale and clammy. Uh huh. Oh my. He, he rolls with it. He does. He's very committed to this role. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did question at times if Taylor, what she, did she really think he wasn't going to go through with these things? Right. Like, I don't understand why she went along with it for as long as she did. Yeah. She gets this. Other than her, scoop. maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to like film a documentary. But still. With a supernatural serial killer. Uh, quite a unique opportunity. I don't know how she winds up with this or, you know, you you know, you'd think, you know, they at didn't first, give us that info. Yeah. You'd think Leslie would just want to be really secretive and 
you know, why would he let a documentary crew in? But I don't think he ever planned on anything getting out, you know, which it really, I guess, in the scheme of things, didn't. And so as you go through the movie, you kind of realize, you know, this enigmatic character of Leslie, you know, he's changing his usual process because I think you, I think you said you picked up on it a little bit before the reveal. Taylor is his true survivor girl, you know? So he's Mm -hmm. letting her into the process of everything going on is kind of a new way to play the game, so to speak for himself. It's kind of like an in your face way of playing the game. Yeah. He's giving her all of this information with her not having a clue that he's doing it. She doesn't understand that she's the target. Yeah. She's the victim. And she, yeah, I think it was after they went to look at all the kids at the school and he's pointing out, well, this girl is this and this guy is this and these two can't run very fast. And you pick a girl that ties them all together. Yeah. And they Mm -hmm. have to be a virgin. Yeah. (laughs) That didn't work out very well. No. Well, it did for him. I mean, he knew knew about Kelly. Plenty. He knew he'd been following them. Yeah. The red herring. That was, you know, another Mm -hmm. term that was thrown out throughout the movie a lot. Uh, Is, is, yeah. Kelly was just his red herring. Uh, and Taylor was the survivor yeah, girl Taylor. the whole time. She was. <laughs> Watching her r- realize that, that it's her. Like, when they're in the barn and she it's actually coming to her. Oh, my God, it's me. Yeah. And then Lauren goes to her and says, well, what happens to me? And it's just like, uh, you're going to be dead. That, <laughs> that's She doesn't say it, but that's what's going to happen. About you're going to be dead. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I'm jumping back a little bit. Yeah, just kind of some montage moments or whatever, like, you know, documentary moments with Leslie. My favorite funny bit of dialogue with uh, him, I think it's my favorite quote from the entire movie, is he's sitting there punching the, the like, you know, bag and <laughs> the sandbag and he's a little winded. And then he has this line where he goes, You have no idea how much cardio. I have to do. It's ridiculous. And then Taylor has a little, why so much? Doing her best, you know, in, in her interview. <laughs> I know and where you're going with this. He goes, well, you got to be able to run like a freaking gazelle without getting winded. Plus, there's that whole thing of making it look like you're walking and everyone else is running their asses off. And I got to stay with them. It's tough, man. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. I actually yeah. noted that, too. Mm-hmm. I think the whole story that was built about a boy being thrown over the waterfall and mm-hmm. about to take revenge on the town that murdered him and his body not being found. and Picked clean by the turtles. By the turtles. And he had two turtles mm-hmm. named Church and Zoe. Yeah. And do you know they were homage to Church in Pet Cemetery One and Zoe in Pet Cemetery Two? Nice. <laughs> a connection. Yeah. If we had a little bell, we would ding it now. Mm-hmm. Lots of those. <laughs> <laughs> lots of those. Lots of those. Yeah, which again, his awkward sense of humor with the uh, with the turtles. I only keep pets that I can eat. And you're like waiting for him to be yeah. like, <laughs> just kidding. And then he just leaves it and you're like, 
He doesn't. All right. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and he's talking to her, too, like, go out into the field on the night of the harvest moon, the soil is wet with blood, and then go into the orchard on the night of the harvest moon, and the night is still as death, you can still hear my mother's body swinging in the trees. And then he just looks at her, and she waits, mm -hmm. and waits, and then he finally says, ah, kidding, not tonight, we got a month to go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like... <laughs> yeah, his. you don't know if he's serious or not. Right. And maybe that's why she didn't pick up on it before now. Mm -hmm. But he was also really funny because there was at one point he was, um, she's. I think she asked him why he wasn't out and about more at the house. And he said, if this is where I'm going to reappear, I can't really be seen mowing the lawn. Right. <laughs> and so that was kind of funny, too. Yeah, he's a, he's a hard character to read because... Like yeah. he's this cold-blooded serial killer, but he's also just a real fun and funny fella. You know, like that's just uh -huh. what you get from him. You're and gonna take him out for beer. Hey, I would <laughs> love to have some beers with Leslie Vernon, man. As long as he doesn't kill me. Uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> you never know what he might put in your drink. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm probably not his type, <laughs> so I think I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's it's cool. And you mentioned the scene where he's at the the school showing him like the showing Taylor the like little friend groups and explaining the survivor girl and things. And as he's doing that, of course, you see the two little or three little girls in the white dresses playing jump rope back one, there. Two, yep, Just great, great reference, great nod. And that's one of a bunch of those that are in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Mm -hmm. Whenever I see that, that's where my mind goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's great nods to all kinds of things. And I'll point out a couple of them. I know there's some also in your like production notes that I will leave. Yeah, but, uh... there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's fun. And then we get the opening scene, like I mentioned a little bit later. But from their perspective, where Taylor's helping out by pulling the brick out from uh, the door and... We're kind of seeing the preparation behind that little moment, that flyby. I think that's really fun. <laughs> so much preparation. There was so much preparation. You just never knew until you watched this movie. Mm -hmm. Then you learn. Uh, it's another Leslie line that's just a throwaway line that's so funny, just as like a trope or like nod to the tropes and stuff. Is a lot of what we use is CGI. Uh <laughs> 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 yeah, he's talking I have about that in here too. Editing the the photo for that he's going to slip into the library to build the story and make Kelly like freak out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it it's definitely interesting. He's quite a character, mm -hmm. and now I'm starting as we're talking about. It, I'm starting to see why Taylor maybe didn't know if who he really was or what he was going to do because he just kept swerving back and forth and you could never really tell what he was serious about. Yeah. However, I still feel like she should have known <laughs> because he was just, I mean, if for no other reason alone, going and meeting Eugene should have told her that he's on, in another, on another planet. <laughs> But it didn't. Yeah. Well, since you bring up Eugene, I <laughs> will take a detour from our Leslie Taylor conversation. And I want to go ahead and we'll 
do the notes that I have on Eugene and Jamie. We'll kind of jump. We'll take a little detour to those characters <laughs> because it's a, it's a perfect time to bring them up because as you mentioned, maybe she start, would have started putting things together because this is some of the first moments where you really start putting things together, especially on the, however many watches, you know, I've seen it so many times I know. So now I'm picking up on like these little hints that are here. I mean, when they first yeah. get to the house and Jamie's the one that opens the door and he looks, she looks at Taylor and goes, Oh, this is the, and stops there. So, mm, hint, hint. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, cause you think yeah. Taylor would just be, Oh, the, the documentary. Oh, he, she, you know, Leslie told them about the documentary thing, but Jamie is, thinking, yes, Oh, this is the, th- thanks for letting us in on this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's yeah, very much. And then even, Eugene, when they're sitting there before they leave and they're discussing how things are going. And Leslie says right there in front of Taylor. Well, I was telling Jamie earlier that I think this girl's really coming along. And <laughs> literally she's coming along with you everywhere you go. Um, but then Eugene even asks <laughs> about, so what about the red herring to which Leslie answers? She spends a lot of time at the library. Well, that's Kelly. Kelly is the red herring. It's just the fact that they're, yes. be- they're, they're, Hedging their bets on the fact that Taylor has no idea what red herring means. Like, that's just a... Like, and she doesn't... And I just thought that she would have been <laughs> smarter than that as right. a journalist. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't. Because she asks, what, what's the red herring? And he just gives an explanation, which we find... It, it, I mean, he's just making something up on the spot. Oh, that's the... You know, where I'm going to kill the librarian to to make her think... You know, or, you know, send her on this, like, thing. And she just buys that explanation. Like, oh, it's a it's an attack on her, but you don't hurt her. Okay, got it. Yeah. It's just his kind of cop-out answer, because the red herring is Kelly herself. Because, as we find out, Taylor is his... You know, Taylor says, you know, he's... Even before the first phone call that we made, before that we even started filming, he was watching me. He, was, he had picked me out. Oh, my gosh. You're <laughs> right. I missed these because I had never seen the movie before. Yeah. So this is only my first my first viewing, which is only a small fraction of the number of times you've seen the movie. Right. <laughs> but yeah, uh I was trying to see if I had anything else really about Eugene and stuff. There's other like little like nods and notes and stuff. Like the, when they get him out of the tank, the first shot we see after oh my that scene God. when they're in the kitchen is there's just a knife laying on a cutting board with an upside down reflection of a face in it next to a red bell pepper like <laughs> ha, halloween again like you're getting this like <laughs> all the little things it's the little things yeah i liked when they were in the backyard just talking about everything like it's no big deal like serial killing like oh it's not you know and eugene says i'm not talking about the guys who worked really hard like jay and fred and mike yeah. i'm like Jay and Fred and Mike. Is that really what you call them? Yeah. They're close like that. You know? (laughs) No. Oh, my goodness. But Eugene himself was based on Billy from Black Christmas, which if you haven't seen that one. Oh, Billy. (laughs) Piece of work. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that character of him. I was... Him getting annoyed talking about the hacks of today screwing things up and yes, the poor carrots he didn't hates stand it. a chance. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he hates it. He said, "In my day, they killed everyone and disappeared without without ever thinking about coming back." 
Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, again, these are red flags. Why do you not? What, what is she <laughs> thinking? That he paid all these actors to right. say things? I mean, I don't understand how she could have thought this was going any other way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the night of the, the thing, when they visit Eugene and Jamie one more time, uh, it's funny. You know, it's interesting that Eugene is saying they're giving hints and advice to Taylor and the film crew. Like, what if so, how, what would somebody do to survive this? And he's like, well, you could do this or do that and do this. And he kind of gives them some, like, hints before they get into the situation. Oh, I have themselves. those. Yeah. Peg, I have those written down. All right. Stay away from virgins. Run like a motherfucker and don't stop till the sun comes up. Mm-hmm. Don't try to hide. We'll find you. Don't be a hero and fight us. Pick out a spot straight ahead and run and don't look back. You're not going to like what you see. Yeah. <laughs> and when Taylor asked him about what about staying together, he said, oh, yeah, that'll work. But make sure there's one person that's slower that you yeah. can, you know, leave behind. Mm-hmm. To which Jamie responds yeah. to that. I was fast, wasn't I, Eugene? He says, you were, but you caught me. Which is an interesting little uh, there. Because <laughs> in that, it's just, a th- again, one of those little throwaway lines that gives you so much context. You're like, Jamie was a previous survivor girl of Eugene's. And then instead yeah. of killing him or facing severe trauma for the rest of her life, she married the guy. <laughs> oh my god now she, what why like, would you do that bought into his whole like, ideology and <laughs> is now like in his world it's yeah interesting it's just i don't understand again i don't understand how taylor did not figure this out i think if i had to pick a problem that is my problem <laughs> i don't understand how she didn't figure it out i mean i figured it out yeah i think but because even with, like, the killing of the librarian, it's Zelda Rubinstein. So great, by the way. Uh, pretty sure this was her last film that she did. and It was. And she used her poltergeist voice. Mm-hmm. She used her Tangina voice when she was yes. telling the story. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, just just awesome. A damn legend on her own, too. Uh <laughs> Yeah, she is. Yeah. There were a lot of, you know, they had some really cool people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as I say, so, you know, Taylor's seeing these things like, you know, there's still maybe this little shadow of doubt in her head. But there's also this, like, journalistic, like, integrity where she's like, we can't intervene. And we just got to, I got to get the story and I got to get the scoop. But it's once everything, once they're at the farmhouse and things really kick up and she realizes oh, this is happening for real, and there's about to be a lot more murder and a lot more death, and now mm-hmm. it kind of gets to this crossroads where she's like, I can't allow this at this point. Which is interesting in retrospect, being like, and Leslie knew that the whole time. He had planned yes. on her having this change of yes. heart. <laughs> he took, he of all the contingencies, <laughs> he knew what was going to happen. He had this planned. There wasn't really anything. I don't think there was anything that he didn't already anticipate. Yeah. Even, do you think he anticipated her going to the the diner and confronting Kelly and then having Doc Halloran confront her there instead? I mean, he was sitting there 
outside waiting for her to come out. He so. was really mad. No, I don't think he anticipated that because he was really like he mm-hmm. was he grabbed her and pushed her up against the van. Like he was a bit violent, I guess, yeah. with her. Yeah, Leslie Mancuso from Reno was not happy. <laughs> no. No. Definitely not. Yeah, he was definitely not happy with that. Mm-hmm. He didn't want his old psychiatrist popping up in town. Yeah, but he, he kind of did, because it's, it's a rite of passage to have an Ahab. Oh, yeah. They were so excited. You know, and then Les- the night Leslie that he has went an Ahab. On- He's <laughs> we have an Ahab. What's an Ahab? Ahab. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 The night that they went off to the house to do everything. I mm-hmm. mean, Eugene and Jamie were acting like he was going to prom. Mm-hmm. It was like he was their adopted son and he was going off to prom. Because, you know, they're talking about everything he's going to do. And it's like, he's, yeah, he's definitely going to do everything he said. Like, I never really doubted that he was going to. Yeah. But she did. I mean, she thought he was, I don't know what she thought he was doing. (laughs) All of these things, going and showing these people. But then remember, he also was talking, when he showed them the original people, and then, what was it that happened with Kelly? Like, he went to the school and he showed them the people, but was Kelly there, or was that just like a decoy group? That was just an example. He says that, you know... Yeah. It's like, oh, so that's the girl you thought of? He's like, oh, no, I've already got a girl picked out. Like, you thought that I hadn't already solidified a group of people before starting this process? We'd be way behind. I'd be schedule. way behind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah, it was just an example. And then he goes to, brings brings them to Kelly's work to, to do the flyby. Then he's like, now this, this is where we're dealing with people directly involved. And after that little flyby there at the diner is the first time we see Robert England's Doc Holleran. It's a real quick glimpse. And if it's your first time watching the movie, you don't even know Tim. You don't even. It's quick. <laughs> but uh, which, again, the name Doc Holleran itself is a fun reference. Of course, The Shining. Yes, it there, is. Dick Holleran, mm-hmm. but also because Doc was the name that he called Danny. So it's kind of. <laughs> yes. Another connection. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many connections. But yep, it's... I love all the little nods and connections. It's so fun. Well, and he looks and he's dressed and looks like Dr. Loomis from Halloween. Mm -hmm. Like he's got the same goatee. He's got the same jacket, the same clothes. He, You know, it's just another connection. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I mean, that's his role is he's a reference to that. Yeah. The doctor who... (laughs) When they put this together, they were thinking about that. They were Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, how can we have an homage? What can we do to this character? What can we do in this situation? How can we connect this to the horror verse, I guess? The whole world of horror. How can we make it happen? Mm -hmm. And they just did it. They just kept doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, but after the the diner scene where they confront Kelly or, and then, yeah, Hollering ends up confronting them. You know, uh, Leslie goes off on Taylor and kind of says, this is your time to decide. And I think it's him deciding if she's the right one, she'll come back. And if not, then it's all for not. I'll find. Yeah, I'll find someone else. And 
for whatever reasoning possesses her to come back and stay with this, she does. There's, I think. I know, I'm really su- so surprised about mm-hmm. that. Like, I thought she would have figured it out. The way yeah. he was to her, like, he pushed her up against the van. That would be enough for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, don't want to be here. Yeah. I don't want to be part of this. Just this level of curiosity with her won't yeah. let her let go. And when she agreed to shoot this documentary, she agreed to do it and not do, not create any interference with what was going on. That was one of the things she agreed to. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so, yeah. um, So, yeah, she comes back and they're at the house. We'll run through, we're running through this one kind of quick, but I mean, I kind of expected to, it's. There's a lot of like fun th- stuff in it, but story-wise, it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. appreciated though that it gave us a look into things mm-hmm. because when he was going through the staging area, like the house, and talking about well the couple upstairs and how he's going to off them, and then he's going to stage it like they're sleeping, and then a well planned with the fuse to turn off the power, yeah, so he can sneak down the stairs and take advantage of the chaos and talking about her um kelly going for the flashlight but the batteries he's put in are dead Mm -hmm. everything like he's tampered with all the weapons he goes over all the exits he nails everything i mean he (laughs) i love that had this all planned out (laughs) and then i've suddenly yeah i was just like and i've nailed them shut won't they just smash them out? You'd think so, but they don't. So, but no. <laughs> oh my gosh. And when they do smash them out, it's on the second floor. <laughs> yeah. Which is exactly what happens. Kelly does pick yes. up a chair and smashes a window out on the second floor. And he's oh, weakened yes. the, the tree branches to where when she tries to climb out, it snaps and she falls. <laughs> yes. Like anything you could think of, it's like... He can, he's anticipated every possible contingency and mm-hmm. he's, yeah, anything that can happen. He has, he's just thought of it all. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and she knows this. Taylor knows this. Yeah. And he gives her the option to leave. Mm-hmm. Her and the crew, he takes him outside, you know, takes his mask off and just says, you know, go, get out leave and she acts like she's gonna leave and then she doesn't Mm -hmm. she has a conscience and she doesn't want more people to die well that's a great plan but that's not what happens (laughs) (laughs) yeah and again it's all this he's betting on the fact that she's going to do exactly what she does Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's smart just this Preparations like he's thought of everything, and there's a contingency for everything. And I love that a lot of it is more tropes and you know references and things. I love his line about his code of ethics with the closets. It's you know the closets are sacred. It's it's a hilarious nod to Halloween. Uh, I'm sure plenty of other yeah. replicators as well. But uh, but yeah, this whole thing of like hiding in closets, like usually is a safe place in these movies. You're like, how? Well, here you go. The closet is sacred and we don't touch them when they're in there. <laughs> <laughs> they usually hide dead bodies in closets that I have seen a lot of in yeah. Friday the 13th. 
some of those films, they've done that. So, yeah, the closet yeah. isn't always sacred. And Michael Myers goes after um, Laurie Strode when she's in the closet. Mm-hmm. But she so, survives, thanks to the closet. She does. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's because of the closet. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, it's great. And then just him handpicking kind of in a way, like making sure the right group of of people are in the house because he has to rely on those tropes to get the job done. You need mm-hmm. horny teen, like the horny teens, the macho bravado and the stonery stoner stonerage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it it's all true, falls though. into plan when you have these pieces that come together. Yeah. But yeah. I loved it though after I also really appreciated <laughs> when she just like takes her coat off after everyone's dead or she thinks they're all dead. She just grabbed the axe and she takes her jacket off <laughs> and throws it on the ground and she's standing there with the axe and she's like, Come get some and yeah. it's like, Okay, yeah. You become she, the badass heroine. She is the survivor girl. That is what he She saw is in the her. survivor girl. Yeah. Yeah, but I did get mad at her because after she hits him and he goes down, all I kept thinking was double tap, double double tap, tap, double tap. You hit him again, hit him again. And she didn't. And it's not even this kind of movie that I've seen the double tap because that was Zombieland. But I just am like, you don't just hit him once. You have to hit them again. Right. They don't stay down. Yeah, because he even says something about like, you know, he's sabotaged the axe. He's like. So hopefully they just, she doesn't get me on the first swing. Ah. And then she does get him with the first swing, but it's in like the midsection. You know, he's protected. Yeah. He's got, so yeah. I mean, he goes down, but it's like, you, you can't. It's not enough. You, you got to do more. Can't and rely on that. That's she, not enough. She waits too long. Cause when she does finally decide to turn back, he's gone as is expected. Yeah. Um, as yes. again, she's grabbed the ax heading into the orchard, all the things that, not only did it was like, did he say it was going to happen, but he had her say. He was like, where do you think it goes from here? And she spelled it all out. So, yes. <laughs> and she I think, gave him confirmation that yeah. she was that he was on the right track with things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he and, knew this. He'd studied this. This is yeah. like a an art form for him. Oh, yeah. And I don't think it was her being like naive and like falling, like being stupid and being like, oh, no, I'm doing the same things that I was told, you know, was going to happen. I think she knows. And she knows where this has to end. There's only one way. There yeah. has to be a face-off between the two of them. And she's accepted that and is, yes. is moving towards that. Yeah. yeah. Well, she reaches in to grab something that he had. Was it a screwdriver? On his belt? Oh, she grabs, she grabs his uh, scythe. As okay. he said, All you right. will, and she will reach for my weapon. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she did. Oh my gosh. So Got yeah, you. so she, yeah, she she grabbed his scythe and then put him in the apple press. Mhm. Pressed him and wow. Burned the place down. It's <laughs> It's yeah. great. But there's but there's there a was... lot of little things in there. Uh, I was like cute to uh <laughs> you know, real bold of you to assume that the van wasn't sabotaged also. Yes, <laughs> you know he was going to do that. Or the little swerves of taking the dead yeah. bodies and hiding them in the van because he knew they were going to go check. Even though we saw him earlier with yes. spark plug. And I wonder, did yeah. that, was, that, was that the spark plug from the van initially, even? <laughs> he pulled their spark plug out and showed he, them. Yes. 
Spark like, plug. Right away. I don't feel like getting run over tonight. Yeah. <laughs> He's planned everything. He knew what was going on. He was way ahead of her mm-hmm. the entire time. Oh, yeah. And now, even though we've gotten all the way to the end of to his death, I did want to point out one of the coolest moments of the movie is when they decide we're going back in and we're helping these kids. She's had it, and then the documentary is over. And at yes, that and point, it flips. the movie drops the handheld camera style and becomes cinematic. So it's a to- yes. it's a shift in tone, story, theme, and even visual. We walk out of the satire mockumentary and we walk into a classic real slasher movie. And it's yes. so Which I thought beautifully was done. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really clever. I thought we don't see that really in film. Mm-hmm. It's usually one way or the other. So I really appreciated that they did something a little bit different with this one. And again, I really like that we saw things a little bit from the point of the killer. Yeah. When we're talking about setup and not that they, not that all slasher movies are like that, but it's interesting to see what goes on in the minds or in prepping some of this stuff. It's cool. Yeah. And then we didn't really talk about uh, the stoner scene um, when he takes out both of them. Uh, Oh my goodness. It's just, you know, I mean, the first one thinks he's a scarecrow and he takes out that guy, but, uh, it's a great visual gag of him digging the guy's heart out with the post hole digger and then placing yes. it in his hand. I was like, damn, that's brutal. Yes. <laughs> and, and the cardio it took to him that- to re- to, for him to appear behind that guy. We know what kind of work goes into that now. <laughs> yes, we do. Now we understand it. There's a lot of effort and you have to appreciate the effort and the honing of the craft to bring us to that point. Mm-hmm. That's why when you said earlier that this movie has a lot of heart, that I said, yeah. oh, yeah, the heart. There's a heart. <laughs> yeah. Puts it in his hand, and then he brings his hand and brings it over to his face. Like, whoever the stoner was, he had the heart in his hand, and then the stoner brings the yeah. heart over to his face. And I'm just like, okay, do you really need to see it to know that it's happened? Right. Because I'm pretty sure you would know. <laughs> yeah, as he lays there dying. Mm-hmm. It's a fun visual. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny because I'm like, what notes have I covered and what have I not? Because we're jumping all over the place, but I knew we kind of had to. Um, you have to with this movie. It's hard to go with a character arc because there's not a good to an evil to good or good to evil transition. It's more of a story, full story with a very few number of characters. Yeah. So yeah, so you know, at the end with uh that, you know, Doc Halloran which I love when he shows up during the the thing cuz you know, this whole build up of oh, there's an Ahab and he's going to come in, he's going to you know, try to shake things up and Leslie the whole time's like, "Ah, no, he's not even that big. He's not that important." <laughs> and then when he shows up, it's true. It's like, "Oh, Doc's here and he's down." "Oh, wait, no, he's back up and he's ah, he's stabbed and he's down again." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then we see that, um, is it Doug? Yeah. Yeah, Doug and Doc did survive at the end. They did. Which was cool to see. Yeah, because we don't I see mean, I thought it was, I thought it was gallant of, of Doug to stand in front of Taylor and say, you have to go through me to get to her. Like, yeah. he was 
trying well, he to didn't die. Her. He was just, it was literally, he goes, well, you're going to have to go through he, me. Not, and then Leslie responded with a. That was easy. Moment. You know, it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You did it. Um, you really went there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> he just slammed his head in the wall and he laid down. I mean, yep. <laughs> I don't know. Passed yeah, out. That was it. <laughs> I bet Wham. he's got a headache after. <laughs> uh -huh. But yeah, so then at the end of the movie, and then we get to credits, which are so awesome to me. Again, Talking Heads, Psycho Killer. Love that song so much, and it is forever tied to this movie for me. I can't think of one without the other. They're synonymous. It's just... Yeah, definitely. I think Behind the Mask, I get that song stuck in my head, and if I hear that song, I think of the movie. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. I know. Now it's forever ingrained yeah. in my brain now. I loved the song before, but now it's like, oh boy, yeah. it's going to be synonymous with this film from now on. It's just how it is. Yeah. And then if you sit through the credits entirely, then you get, um, you get to see some, a fun little something there, a, a dead and crispy <laughs> Leslie, uh, turns out to be not as oh. dead and crispy as one might've thought. Uh, <laughs> he's definitely crispy. Definitely crispy. <laughs> yeah. And it's in black and white, so it's yeah. at least that's yeah, it's in black and white, so it's even creepier, I think. Yep. So we get the return of Leslie Vernon, hopefully sometime, because we do. In that classic again, another nod to Halloween, but even like most, you know, Friday thirteenth or any of those where it's like, and the monster, the killer is killed at the end, except they're not, you know. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. Except they're not. They're still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I don't know that I have any other notes because I feel like, yeah, I feel like we've we've done them all. Yeah, it's I mean, kind of a quick one to go through and go through the story a little bit and talk about the characters. Just the whole overarching theme of Taylor being the survivor girl the whole time and not realizing yeah, it that, was that cool. moment is, is really cool. And then, you know, if you go back and watch this multiple times – it's something that makes this movie very rewatchable is then picking up on all the mm -hmm. little hints and things throughout. Yeah. The... I feel like I need yeah. to, I feel like I'm going <laughs> to need to watch it again to get that. I did also like the little stories behind things, even if they weren't real. Like I liked, so Leslie talked about on their anniversary of his death, the neighborhood kids would dare each other to spend a night in his old house. Mm hmm. Like, that was one of the things. And you know, I mean, that is something you see in movies all the time. Well, I yeah. dare you to stay in this house overnight, and then everyone gets killed. Like, it, it, that is just something that we see yeah. in movies. And that's something we don't know is the legend of Leslie Vernon might be true, at least some of it. Because we find yeah. out, I mean, the Leslie Vernon that we see here is Leslie Mancuso from <laughs> Reno, but... uh Yes. But he's found this legend in this area in Glen Echo and decided to pick up that mantle and play that role. He's adapted it to himself. Like but he's as far a, or as, he's adapted himself yeah. to it. But as far as the history of that family or you know, the Vernons or whatever, what's actually true and what's not, we don't know. I mean, because Zelda Rubenstein's librarian character, she knows about these things. She's like, Oh, they were a weird couple and they were like there's some history to it. Yeah. But she's not able to tell us that story anymore. We only got what we got, and that's all we're getting. 
mm-hmm. unless there's someone else in the town that has all of the information, which yeah. I don't think, I don't know. Who knows if there is? Yeah. So I think the only other notes I have are just some random notes about with some other character stuff. Uh, poor Doug is just, nobody cares what he has to say ever throughout the whole movie up until the end. He kind of has his little no, like, they input don't. and they're just like, mm, no, uh, <laughs> they just kind of ignore him. And then Todd is just such a creep, such a perv uh, <laughs> throughout the whole I movie. Um, I know. I love the the library moment where Leslie does his best, not really impression. He doesn't sound like Zelda Rubenstein, but like the way that the older lady librarian would be is like, you know, oh, she's going to find the thing. And then she's going to ask the librarian about it. And she's going to freak out when she sees it. And then the librarian's going to say something along the lines of, oh, it's okay, dear. It's just an old story, which is almost verbatim what she ends up saying. She's like, it's yes. just an old yeah. story. So, you know, like, and like, yeah. <laughs> he knows. He's oh, planned this all out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he has. He, he's very smart. He has figured this out. Mm-hmm. This wasn't something he planned out in a month. He's been planning this for a while. Like, he's oh, yeah. been building this. Mm-hmm. This is something he he knew he was going to do. Yeah. And then the only other notes I have are Todd. Uh, just a great line when they go back to the house to help the kids. And he goes, this is a bad idea. And I don't like that I just said that, given the circumstances. <laughs> uh, I know, because it was. And then, yeah, then the only other note I had was with Todd uh, after that line uh, was just his his death. Um, the soil was wet with blood and he couldn't run through it. You know, just as Leslie had talked about mm-hmm. what Leslie had done to that soil. Who knows what, you know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know. But it was a cool little callback to have him running through the field and then just to be like sloshing and being like, oh, shit. And falling down. And then it's one of the most tense moments of the movie is then Leslie kind of standing or kneeling over Todd and Todd freaking out. Being, Les, Les, man, I've been with you the whole time. You know, like we're, we're buddies, you know, basically. And pulling his mask off and just seeing that underneath Leslie has transformed yep. that he's. Into, in his yes. element, and it's showtime, and there's no turning it off. Like, yeah, he's gone to this other person, not a personality, but just another world. Basically, yeah. in his mm-hmm. head, he's now this serial killer, and that's how it goes. There was a time, though, that he was talking with Taylor, and it, he had started to put his makeup on. And he was talking to her about everything that was coming up that I thought he looked at her like he was really into her. Like he was definitely into her. And I wondered if maybe he thought she could be his Jamie. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that was kind of seeing what Eugene and Jamie had gone through. And that's that's part of it is and it's not just for this movie. There's a lot of underlying theme in a lot of these kind of movies, which they just brought to the surface very explicitly where it's sexually charged. There's a lot of, like he mm-hmm. said, like a lot of the phallic and yonic themes and, and things that are in the serial killer and their survivor girl victim. And there is kind of an underlying like sexual romantic thing on the inside of a serial killer and the person he is choosing to, to chase. And yeah, because even, you know, Leslie, or not Leslie, uh, Taylor picks up on that a little bit by asking when she still thinks it's about Kelly, being like, so do you, you love her, don't you? And he, you know, 
Leslie, knowing really Taylor's talking about herself, having this thing where he goes, well, I love the idea of her. And it's, it's kind of this whole thing is like, that's what this whole thing is about. That's yeah. the core of what's going on here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's just something that I thought about. Yeah. So overall, I really liked this movie. Good. I'm glad. More than I thought I would. I don't have to cry myself to sleep tonight. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I really liked the way that we got to like a glimpse into things. This movie did things just in a different way. Yeah. And even though it was low budget, I feel like it delivered in pretty much everything that I want for a movie. Yeah. So I'm totally okay with it. I just like to watch you squirm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm May there be some day where I pick a movie that I really like that you haven't seen that you just don't vibe with. I hope that day never comes. <laughs> it could. It could. You, you're you just going to have to be real careful what you pick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll then you'll be assured mm -hmm. that I won't trash it. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I did is... survive Turkey. So, yeah. Oof. But that like Thanksgiving is like its own thing because. I picked that movie knowing it was trash and just like, that's, <laughs> that's the fun of that one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. I, I don't have any more notes. Yeah. I feel I'm, like I'm we good on that too. Maybe yeah. we'll have to do rubber sometime. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. Oh goodness. I've heard <laughs> of that one. That could be the one page. It could be. I... That could be the one. <laughs> <laughs> are you really ready for that uh i've only seen it once and it's been so long so i don't know if I, I don't hold that one as uh tight in my heart so okay that i know what would really in its own what would really hurt is if i started to tear apart scott pilgrim oh that would really You're not allowed to that would <laughs> <laughs> nobody's allowed to i'll put a stop to that real quick now but nobody would because it's a perfect film no. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. So I think yeah we've gone through our notes. Now I'm interested to see because I love how you deep dive into some stuff and find some really great production notes and fun little trivia. I'd love to see what you got on this one. We actually talked about a bunch of things already, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to repeat them. What I am going to do, though, is go through the remainder that I have on my list. So Scott Glosserman has directed only three films. The latest was called The Truth Below, and that was in 2011. Uh, Glosserman attended the University of Pennsylvania, where he wrote his senior thesis on The Shining. And we talked about how Doc Halloran's yeah. name is a mashup of Doc, which was Danny Torrance's. Uh, nickname and Dick Halloran from the yeah. same film. So Glosserman's manager would often send him these scripts to read. And the writer of this particular script submitted it because he wanted um, Glosserman's manager to represent him. And although the manager was not really able to do that, he shared the script with Glosserman, who then worked with the writer to develop it into the final film script. Um... 
Uh, Glossman also recruited a group of young local filmmakers in Portland to work as additional editors on the film. After seeing and being, being impressed by an independent film they had produced called The Black Shoe Drifter, which I've never, I don't, mm-hmm. I've never even heard of that. So I feel like I have to go look at it. Um, Kane Hodder, of course, we talked about already. The American Stuntman was played Guy at the Elm Street House. That was the name of his character. Yeah. He was also, in addition to Friday the 13th, he played Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. He played Victor Crowley in the entire series of Hatchet. And um, so, yeah, I thought, you know, I wanted to share that. He's very well known for all of the different roles that he's played. Which my uh, DVD copy of Behind the Mask comes with like a sneak peek disc of Hatchet as well. Ooh. I have not watched it though, but it's in that little box. I haven't seen the first one. I've not (laughs) seen the first one. I've seen a couple of the sequels. I think because they were available and Hatchet wasn't at the time. And I don't know why I watched them without watching the first one. But, you know, (laughs) sometimes you just do what you do. So the first time that Eugene and his wife are interviewed by Taylor, a layman configuration puzzle box from Hellraiser can be seen on the table. And my final note, we've already talked about, it was Doc Halloran's wardrobe, and the beard is nearly identical to that of Donald Pleasance's Dr. Loomis from Halloween. Mm -hmm. There are so many connections that it makes perfect sense that this is a love letter to the slasher horror genre. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a lovely letter. Yes. and uh... As lovely as (laughs) as a serial killer movie can be. Speaking of slasher movies and stuff, I think actually by the time this episode comes out, we have already covered Halloween Kills. You guys have already listened to it. When we're recording this, it has not come out yet because our recording schedule is a little shift things around. So we record a lot of episodes in advance. Sorry to break the fourth wall for you guys there a little bit. So I have not we have not seen Halloween Kills yet, but uh, we're kind of coming off the heels of seeing that and releasing that in our episode on that then after watching this so it gets me really excited for that because slasher I stuff i don't get into very much but the halloween stuff is great and then this movie is just so much fun to me and so it gets me excited for seeing what comes next in halloween <laughs> so hopefully while you're listening to this hopefully we have really you know we've released that episode on halloween kills and hopefully we really liked it We'll see. <laughs> I hope we did too, because they connected so many things. They brought back um, Kyle Richards, who played the little girl in that um, Lori was babysitting because mm-hmm. she's babysitting the two kids. So they brought her back, and they brought in Anthony Michael Hall to play the boy, the grown up. I think his name was Tommy. Um, they brought them back to play the adult roles. So they're bringing people in. And it's kind of cool, and I'm looking forward to it. And, of course, Halloween Kills has to be, you know, our second ever Halloween special. Oh, yeah. Halloween on Halloween. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was great. (laughs) Gotta do it. At least Halloween on Halloween was great. We don't know if the movie was great. Can't speak for that. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know yet. (laughs) So go into the past and see if we liked it. That's weird. It's confusing. Yeah, I Ah. don't know. It's like digital time travel. What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Anything is possible. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
And this is a familiar sound. Yeah, know what's going on here. Feedback phone. Yes. Let's find out what people thought of this movie. (laughs) Just kidding. I picked it up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's time for some feedback. We've got a good little bit of stuff, not necessarily for this movie this week, even though we do have one really good one I'm excited to read in a little bit. But we have a little bit more feedback and some even like follow-up feedback from some of the same people on Towering Inferno this week. So that's cool. A lot of people really enjoyed that last week. Thanks they for listening. They did. Thanks for reaching out. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate it, guys. And thank you to Shenandoah, who messaged us with a few more suggestions for us to tackle in the future. Really appreciate yeah. it. Watch for us to be covering those movies. Maybe some this season or next season. Yeah, lots of good stuff to get to. All right. Well, speaking of the Towering Inferno, I am going to take this first one from Barbie, who saw our post about this podcast episode and said, OMG, I am there. My mom loved all those 70s disaster flicks, so they hold a special place in my heart. Yes, agreed. Again. (laughs) Awesome to hear. This one comes from our friend Maria. Who, kind of similar thing, she says, my mom and aunts love this one, and Poseidon Adventure, of course. So yeah, yeah that's, Poseidon Adventure is going to be soon on the docket, I'm sure. Yeah, it is. By I high demand. Th- <laughs> have you seen it? I have not, so that I be I know. Fun. Guys, when we pull out these older classics, I love it because Paik hasn't seen it, and I get to kind of relive <laughs> what it's like to watch it for the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of fun. So Howard Bannister says, takes me back to when my brother and his best friend used to make home movies in my backyard, building skyscrapers out of cardboard and setting them on fire. Crazy times, but a lot of fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds so dangerous. Children yes. burning things in the backyard. But yes. you know what? It is fun when you let them get away with it. As long as it's a controlled burn, (laughs) let let the kids play. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) As as the kid in me is like, yeah, hell yeah, that sounds fun. The adult in me is like, oh, God, children are fire. No. Um, (laughs) I know, because it's not safe. It's not safe. Children should not play with matches. (laughs) All right. And... Then for Behind the Mask this week. Yay! One of my favorite movies and somebody's given us some feedback on it. I love it. This one comes from Diana. Says, hi, Peyton Daphne. I'm a longtime listener of your podcast. Took an homage to horror slasher films to finally get me to write in for the first time. I love this genre and I absolutely freaking love Freddy Krueger slash Robert England. This movie was just so much fun. My laugh out loud moment was Leslie talking about all the cardio he needs to do. <laughs> of course, it must look effortless as he slowly stalks his prey while they run away from him. <laughs> the use of a mockumentary was an excellent vehicle to expose all of the genre tropes. Everything from gratuitous sex, shed full of tools or weapons, turning your back on the injured but not dead killer, and the killer coming back to life in the morgue were exposed. Let's not forget the archetype characters making very stupid choices. However, (laughs) I did learn you can't shoot or burn the killers because they're wearing bulletproof vests and flame retardant makeup. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus points for the communion girls jumping rope, Jason slash Kane Hodder living on Elm Street, and Mr. Herschel Green slash Scott Wilson as a happily married retired serial killer. 
And of course, England was perfect as the psychiatrist reminding us killers are just human. Oh, really? (laughs) Thanks for this great movie recommendation and for your fun podcast, Diana. P.S. My husband and I briefly met Pake at Jason's listener meetup at the last Chicago Walker Stalker Con. Pake, great job on those panels. Ah, thank you so much. I do do remember meeting you two at the uh, hotel bar there in Chicago. That was a fun time. And yeah, it was a great, great uh, convention weekend. Had some fun panels. I'm trying to remember what all I did in Chicago. I had three, I believe. I can uh, toot my horn there a little bit. I know... uh, but that one, yeah, the biggest one was the Netflix Punisher panel with John Bernthal and some of the other actors from Punisher, which was really cool. Still kind of like fanboy out about that one when I think about it. That was really <laughs> a lot of fun. I've um, seen pictures from that one. Yeah. Uh, I had the, from Walking Dead, uh, I had a Walking Dead panel with uh, King Ezekiel and Jerry with uh, Cooper Andrews oh, and Kari Payton. Oh my gosh, that Those has two to have are been fun. A blast, yeah, a blast. And then, of course, my uh, Haunting of Hill House panel that me and Rima got to do together, my co-host from Strange Indeed. We bring it up from time to time on Strange Indeed. We are covering Midnight Mass with uh, Henry Thomas, because we did a panel with Henry Thomas and the, the two youngest twin kids from Hill House, Julian Hilliard and Violet McGraw. And so anytime we'd see henry thomas on midnight mass we like to joke our dear close personal friend since we got to hang out and talk with him a little bit over that weekend (laughs) in chicago so actually he was sitting at a table with somebody just like right down from us while we were at that bar with diana and her husband so (laughs) 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 fun times i'm ready to get back to the convention circuits and stuff like that soon it's coming it is coming (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. and when you get back to that i'll actually be going to my first one Yes. Which is going to be interesting. Yeah. Since I, I've I never teased been it before. Yeah. I teased it on here before because we were supposed to do it in September and then it got moved. So, for those of you who have I've talked about it, so yes, a uh, pandemic tour convention in Atlanta will be in March. I want to say like the 19th, 20th that weekend. Yeah. At the top of my head. So, if you're in Atlanta, be looking at that in March. Me and Daphne will be in Atlanta at the pandemic convention. So, Come yes. hang out. Come say hi. It's going to be like, so much fun. Yeah. Looking forward to it already. Got panels and stuff to do there, so it'll be a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to actually see you at work on these panels. I've only seen uh. like these brief video clips and lots of pictures, so I'm looking forward to seeing how you make this all work. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's a blast. <laughs> But if you would like to submit feedback, like Diana, thank you, Diana, for sending it in this time, mm-hmm. or Barbie, Maria, Shenandoah in the past, Howard Bannister, you can submit your theories and feedback at our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast. You can email us at podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at podcast on Twitter. Reach us on Instagram at Run For Your Lives Podcast. And if you're enjoying the show, tell your friends. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much any other uh, podcast player that's available, including YouTube and Facebook, because you can now listen to podcasts on Facebook. Go to RunForYourLivesPodcast.com for all the links you'll ever need, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts as that's the best way to share the love and get us out there even more. We appreciate it. We really do, always. 
so many good ways to, to listen to our podcast and send others to listen to it. <laughs> yes. We like it. All right. Well, I will give a couple shout outs to some good stuff going on in the podcast universe around us. Of course, my other podcast, Strange Indeed, we are pulling double duty, triple duty, but it's two episodes, like two and a half duty. I keep saying duty. <laughs> my inner child is having fun with that. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can tell. But yeah, because uh, we are covering Lock and Key, me, Rima, and Jason mm-hmm. are doing Lock and Key and Great British Baking Show in the same episodes. Um, and then me and Rima are also covering Dexter, New Blood. I'm so excited that we're it's covering so that as well. so good. Man, it's still two episodes in and I'm still like feeling so, like it's so surreal that I'm covering new episodes of Dexter. I still can't wrap my head around it and I love it. <laughs> well, it's so familiar. I feel like watching the show, you're you're seeing something really familiar, but it's kind of been flipped on its side. Yeah. So you really do need a companion podcast. To go along with it. So listen to Pake and Rima, break it down, and you can get a better understanding of what's happening each week mm-hmm. and what could be coming up in the future. Because I know Rima is really good at coming up with thoughts about what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah, I have to be careful with that. I, I did some comic talk stuff on Lock and Key and then pretty much just spelled out the entire next episode of Lock and oh, Key. Oh, so no. Be, I've got to be careful with that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, raining, raining back my speculations on comic talk. <laughs> you guys really need to have like a proper comic talk where, I mean, people could skip over it if they needed to, but mm-hmm. it's cool to be able to break down the comics. Yeah. But I haven't read any of them, so maybe mm. I need to. Shit, they're really, really good. But then also stuff going on on the Podcastica network. House Podcastica is going to be... Throwing up some new episodes of this, not, well, this week, because you're listening on, like, a Friday if it's up, so Very next soon. week. Next week. But, uh, because Wheel of Time, Amazon Prime original, is out now, right now. The first three episodes, you can go on Amazon and go watch those right now. And so, uh, Ben, Wendy, and Greg will be covering Wheel of Time on House Podcastica. They're going to try to get these first three episodes out as soon as they can within this next week or two. And then they'll they'll catch up and then go week to week with new episodes as soon as they can. So Wheel of Time is out. Go watch it. Check it out. Listen to House Podcast because they cover it. I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. I had never heard of it, so this is going to be something new for me to jump into. And then also on The Walking Dead cast, Jason and Lucy still covering The Walking Dead World Beyond as they're kind of coming through a close on this series. Really, it's only a two-season thing. They're in season two. And then Fear the Walking Dead, they're throwing a little bit of thoughts and stuff out on those episodes. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm working on catching those up. That's been my day today is watching all of that stuff and trying to catch up on it. I am caught up on fear. Thank God I made it through. Um, (laughs) there's some fun stuff in some of those, but man, some of them were a slog to get through, but world beyond is getting really good. So yeah, checking that out. I am almost caught up on world beyond. I've not been able to get past episode two on fear. But I keep hearing that there's one episode pick that you and I will really, really like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it true? Will we? Will I like I, it? I know why we were told that. <laughs> because of what it, it entails. I thought it was cool. It's, okay. it's an Aisha Tyler episode as far as she's in it as a okay. guest star. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I will check it out. I'm not a fan of the bottle episode, so this is something 
Yeah, I think that's why I've stayed away. But I will yeah. check it out and see what I think. Mm-hmm. All right. What else is going on? TV Podcast Industries. Our friend Derek and his co-host there, also covering Wheel of Time. And then this week, they also released a special spoiler-filled episode talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So Marvel fans, Shang-Chi fans, go check out TV Podcast Industries as they break that one down. Check that out. Excited. And then on Watched It in the 80s podcast, my friend Damien, him, and guest Eric discussed The Untouchables this week. Such a great movie. Have you seen that one? I have not. Oh, Pig, you need to watch it. You got to check it out. It's really, really well done. Add it to the list that is 10 miles long. (laughs) I know. I know. I have one of those lists. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally on Wilhelm, our friend Ben and Jason from Podcastica are talking about their favorite Steve Martin movies, doing a Steve Martin special over on Wilhelm. So that will be funny for sure. Yes, absolutely. And then other stuff coming up in podcasts, of course. Why don't you tell everybody what's going on right here next week on Run For Your Lives. So next week on Run For Your Lives, when your cash-strapped wealthy boyfriend invites you to visit his family's stately home out in the countryside, but neglects to warn you that he intends to commit matricide as well as take out his other siblings so he can snag a bigger chunk of his inheritance. It's really lucky that you grew up in a survivalist compound so you can level the playing field. We are going to be breaking down the madness, humor, and of course the characters of Adam Wingard's 2013 film, You're Next. Ooh, it's next. It's next. (laughs) (laughs) It is next. So, yes. Mm -hmm. So, we're going to be covering that next week. Yeah. I get warmed up for for whenever Jerry finally gets to come on here. We get all punny. So. (laughs) Oh. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes, folks. In the future, our good friend Jerry is going to be joining us on the podcast to discuss a particular movie. And I will be surrounded by two of the biggest punishers I know. Mm-hmm. God help me. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Oh, God. Well, without further ado, <laughs> that brings us to the end of another fun-filled episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And if you have to run from a wannabe serial killer who's targeted you as his next victim, you'd better run for your lives. Bye-bye.